Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Senators Roundtable. I'm your host, Jacob Billington, joined by my fantastic co-hosts, Paul Quinney and Dayton Reimer. How you doing, guys? Oh, fantastic. Well, Jake. Good. <laughs> Happy to hear it. Um, so we're just going to kick things right off. Uh, we're, we are recording this right after the Ottawa-Montreal game, the, the second of the two this week. Um, pretty great game. Ottawa wins 4-1. They moved to a 3-0-1, sorry. Yeah, 3-0-1 record in their last four games. Um, things are going all right for Ottawa right now. We haven't been able to say that very often on this show. Um, what do you what do you make of the game? Is there any takeaways that you kind of want to mention? Um, we're not going to spend too much time on the game, but is there anything um, that really stood out to you that you just want to mention? We'll start with you, Paul. Uh, you know what? It was a really solid effort and a solid effort over 60 minutes, which, uh, you know, the Senators were missing that 60-minute effort uh, on a lot of occasions this year. And uh, I have to compliment Mr. Corpusallo. He was brilliant tonight. Um, I hope he can keep it up. But, yeah, good effort on the Senators. They deserved it. But, you know, that said, it is the Les Canadiens, which – you know, they're not a very good team. So, you know, I don't know how much I want to read into this, but there's no taking away from the fact that they, uh, what they do, they, uh, well, they lost to Winnipeg in OT. That was a great game. And Philly is no slouch as a team. So um, something's working for them. Yeah. Good. And we'll kind of dive into that a little bit later of what we think might be working for them. Um, for me, the biggest takeaway in, I'll, I'll I'll go to you first, Dayton. I got something I want to say, so you go first. No, you go ahead. Start a, start us off. Shane Pinto, welcome back to the show, bud. Um, he just he's been fantastic in every sense of the way. Um, he's been in the third line center role, which is fine. That's where you kind of want him. Um, and we're gonna talk about the center depth as well a little bit later. But he scored his goal tonight, and the celebration from the be- the bench, and especially Brady Kachuk, that was such a fantastic sight to see. Um, he's just he's just been on it. Um, he he's ready to be back in the NHL. Um, usually, you see guys, especially after missing half the season, they're slow getting up to speed. Um, and he he didn't even get a training camp. Like this is his first time really with the team. He got ten days before the suspension was over, but he didn't get a training camp. He didn't get a preseason. He didn't get the first half of the season. So looking at the way that Shane Pinto's jumped back into this lineup, huge for the Senators. Yeah, they uh you know? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, if you're ready to go. That's just kind of the only thing I really wanted to add. No, fair enough. Um I was going to mention Pinto, but I'm glad you took it over. Uh that means I'm going to mention somebody who has been described as a sense killer, if you will. And he was entirely useless tonight. Uh, Arbor Jekai yeah, called up, did nothing. He was on the worst defensive pairing on the on the Canadians, and yeah, maybe we can uh, forget about him for a little bit. You know, I I, I got to say I love Arbor Jekai. I love the story behind oh, him. I love the way he plays. I would love to have him on the team and all these people just like trashing him on Senator's Twitter. I'm like, come on, like appreciate the, the good kind of player. Like obviously he's, he's a third line pair kind of guy. Um, and you don't want him playing 21 minutes a night, but you want him on your team. He is somebody that I'm in love with. Oh, for sure. And I, I mentioned it simply because I saw the Twitter discourse earlier today. 
Yeah. And I had to chuckle at it um, that people were getting so worked up on, on both ways, right. Of, of Jekai and like, great. He's, you know, called up. He, he should be working towards getting those NHL minutes back. Uh, yeah. I think he's a great, you know, bottom pairing defender, like you mentioned. Um, but I just thought it was funny that isn't this his first game back since getting sent down? Yeah. Kind of, uh, kind of convenient. Hey, like, yeah. uh, like the the Canadians knew. I don't know. Yeah. And I, I mean, just thought I'd bring that up. Other than that, I think the Senators played a fantastic game. Um, that is what you want to see from that team. That's yeah. yeah that no notes. They, they did what everybody knows that they're capable of doing, and they, they finally did it. And they've been doing it for the past week or so. Um, it's been a fantastic. We recorded our last episode right after the Colorado game. That was not a good game. Since then, it's it's been a really good stretch of hockey for Ottawa. So really nice to kind of feel some positivity coming into one of these recordings. Yep. Paul, yeah. Anything else you wanted to add there, Paul? No. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned Jack. I, uh, you know, he was brought up, in my estimation, for a reason. He was their nuclear missile that they yeah. uh, unleashed from their silo. But, uh, you know, curiously, despite all the predictions of the pundits, this was a um, kind of a calm game. You know, I thought there'd be much more emotion, much more physicality, but there wasn't. Um, So he was kind of brought up for naught, really. Uh, Didn't do much. Um, You know, Pinto, yeah, you know, he scored tonight, uh, an assist the other night. Um, you know, and I, I, he's made the he's made the Senators better. There's no question about that, and I think he's inspired his teammates as well. So, yes. um, yeah, all in all, a good game. And great to do this in front of mom on the mom's trip. Like that, that's fantastic. That's a great story. Um, so yeah, just kind of moving on here. We we talked about how good we like Pinto back in the lineup and how he has been. But now we have a bit of a log jam with centers on the Senators. So you got Stutzel, the undisputed number one center. He might not be on the first line as listed during practice or whatnot, but he's the number one center. He's the top guy on the team. Um, you have Josh Norris, who is the team's second line center. You have Ridley Gregg, who was fantastic as the, could you call him the interim first line center? Um, while there was a bit of a jumble of the lines going on. Um, and Shane Pinto. You don't want any of those guys playing on the fourth line. So you're going to have Mark Castle, like Rourke Chartier, um, insert anybody, right? Just a replaceable fourth line center. Um, so what do you do? Those are four highly capable guys that deserve a, arguably a top six center spot. But one of them has got to move to the wing. Right now it's Ridley Gregg. He's been fine. He had a great night tonight as well. But it, do you keep Gregg on the wing? Um, personally, I move Josh Norris to the wing. That's just my thought. Um, I, I don't know. What What do you guys think that the Senators should do with their logjam of centers, which is always a great problem to have. Nothing wrong with that. But you got to do something while they're all healthy. We'll start with you, Dayton. Sure. Um, yeah, I think I would agree with you. Norris would be my first person to move over. Um, but Greg has looked really good on the wing too, right? Yeah. And... If something's working, I'm a firm believer of working with that until it doesn't. Yeah. And if Greg is doing well on the wing, he's a rookie. He 
will need to kind of grow into that center position. It's not an easy position, especially in NHL. Uh, and Stutzla spent a first, I think, season, maybe two, uh, on the wing. And it wasn't great, but he got kind of, you know, got his knocks and and now is a much better player for it, I would argue. Yeah. Um, now he is the definitive top-line center, and that's how it should be, always should have been. Um, yeah. But you needed that time to grow. And I would say that Greg is getting that time to grow. So maybe if he's on the wing, that's okay. You know, let him let him work there for a bit because clearly he's doing all right. Yeah. Paul, what do you what do you think? Who do you move to the wing? Who do you and I'll add this as a kind of caveat to that. Where do you what line do you put them on? Right? Because um you're not gonna take out Brady Kachuk. And I think all of these guys, if you move them to wing, they're gonna be on the left side. Uh, maybe Josh Norris would go on the right, but I think he would still be on the left. There's just good depth throughout the whole forward group right now. What do you do, Paul? Well, you know, I'm with you guys. I, I'd move uh, Norris to the wing. Um, you know, I think Greg deserves uh, center. Um, you know, he's uh, in the five games prior to this game, leading into this game, he's, uh, you have to check the stats. He scored two goals, got an assist. He got another goal tonight. <laughs> You know, he brings a, a grit and an energy that, uh, frankly, I don't see Norris providing. And uh, uh, sure, you know, they're fairly close. Norris, I think, coming into tonight had 21 points. Greg had uh, 17, but then Norris has had a few more games. Um, Norris, he was he's a minus four. Greg's an astonishing plus 15. Um so I think he's faster, he's more mobile than Norris is, and he certainly can meet the physical demands that uh, the position of center requires, that it, that it demands. Uh, so younger, faster, more physical, I'm going to put him at center. Um, what you may want to do is if you want to set up a bit of a competition between the two for the center spot is say, hey, here's four next four games, your center uh explain why you don't want them scratching their heads about why they got moved to the wing as opposed to center on any given night and may the best man win let's see who comes out on top um yeah that's what i do if i ran uh the sense that's fair um and i i like what you said dayton it's something is working right now don't mess with it right things are working just fine with ridley greg on the wing and josh norris at center um, I do have a question for you. So he had a four-game gap where he was injured, uh, but over Josh Norris's last 10 games, do either of you know how many points he has? Ooh, I haven't looked lately. Uh, I'm going to guess that it's over point per game, but not a lot, so I'm going to say six. Okay. Oh, over his last 10. Oh, um, I was thinking because you said four. <laughs> I got yeah, four no. stuck in my head. So he played... Um, so seven games, he missed four, and then he's now back for three. So how many points does he have? I'm going to go with eight. You're going eight? Paul, yep. do you have a guess? Six. Two. Ooh. And one Two. of those was today against Montreal. Uh, so he went on a seven-game pointless drought um, before before going down with, I don't even know what the injury was, a neck injury? I don't know, the way he somersaulted? I don't know. Um, he, no points in seven games before that. 
and he has two assists since coming back in those three games. I, I don't know. He's got no goals in that's now 10 straight games. So I don't know, switch him to the wing, put him in a better shooting opportunity, um, put him in a position to really succeed and thrive with his skill set. Um, obviously Norris and Pinto have both have had shoulder injuries in their career. Um, so I wonder if that plays into the fact, I mean, not to throw Pinto into this, but I wonder if that has something to do with his lack of production at center, really. Like you said, his his season totals aren't horrible, not nearly where you want them to be for an $8 million second-line center. Um, something's got to change with Josh Norris. Two points in 10 games is unacceptable. Yeah, and that's kind of what it comes down to, too, right? Uh, that's You can't have a guy making $8 million bucks and providing that. Uh, yeah, it's like you, yeah. you want him to succeed. But it seems like everything is currently working against him. And at what point do you kind of have to cut and run? Yeah. Like, is this just going to be another Colin White situation? It, like, it's really building up towards that. And I think I've mentioned it a couple of times over the last few shows. Yeah, That's what it keeps reminding me of is this kid who gets... You know, a great shot, looks really good to start, gets a great raise, deserves it. Maybe not at that price point, but you know what? Benefit of the doubt, just as like I was guessing eight points in 10 games, like benefit of the doubt. He's probably, this optimism, right? Great. Fun times. And then, oh no, it's actually two in 10 and he's gone 10 games without scoring. Yeah. I don't know. It's... Is it, are, are we heading towards a buyout? Like, do we have to have that conversation? I don't think we're there yet, but like, there's there's too many comparisons. Yeah, there's, and it's just not going well for him. Like you said, the benefit of the doubt. The only reason that I really know about how much of a slump he's been in is because I do the Fantasy Forecheck podcast, so I'm always keeping an eye on streaks and who's hot and who's cold and He's been on my downtrends for the last two weeks now, and I even went as far as recommending you to drop him in fantasy. If, like, right now there's just nothing going for him. He's going to bounce back. He's not going to go two points every ten games for the rest of the season, right? That's unrealistic. That's not just not going to happen. But right now he's just it's not good. He His production is not good. He is playing fine, right? He's just not finding the score sheet. I have no problem with the way that Josh Norris has been playing as of late. Ottawa's been getting the goals. He just hasn't been a part of it. Well, I don't know. It's a cruel world. What have you done for me lately? Nothing. Yeah. So move him out to the wing. And even there, I don't know if he's going to stay there, if he keeps this up. So Yeah, maybe a move to the wing would kind of like recalibrate him a little bit. Yeah. So, I, I just looked up the Josh North buyout just because you brought it up, Dayton. <laughs> well, that's not going to be pretty. I'm sorry. It's not bad because it's an under 25 oh. contract. Oh. Right? So it's only one third instead of two thirds. Same as why the Colin White one isn't that bad of a deal. So Josh North's salary cap or cap hit, sorry, is $7.95 million. It is just to kind of even everything out. It's a million and a half for the next 10 years, 12 years. 
the 12 years is what I'm not liking about that. Yeah. That's that's Yashin territory. Yeah. That's I mean, that's a really good price, but that's a really long time. Yeah. And based on how the senators have worked so far with the salary cap, they don't have that million to spare. No, but that would give them seven million to spare. Well, true. Six and a half million. Which they would spend on one player. Yes. And then, oh, we need that million. Oh, too bad. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm not saying buy Josh Norris. You brought it up. So I've, I had to look up the number just to see. Yeah. Um, oh. Yeah. Sorry. I'm looking. I'm looking for a way to to put some lipstick on that pig and move him out. I don't know what you got to. I, I think if you can find a trade partner, like I look at Winnipeg, you would you have to retain salary on that deal if you're trading him to Winnipeg. Yeah. But like, would you look at a deal? So Winnipeg is reportedly looking for like when they went in 2018 when they got Paul Stastny, great second line center veteran. I wonder if they look at a guy that's more longer term now that they're not. They were directionless for a little while. Um, but now it looks like they're just doing a retool on the fly. Things are going really well. If Ottawa retains just under two million, takes on I don't know. I don't want Chaz Lucius. He's too injury prone, but a prospect one of their high end prospects. Um and Alex Iafalo. Like, is that the kind of deal you want to work around? I think that that's kind of a win win for both sides. Like there would be a lot to figure out with it and money wise and whatnot, but Looking at something like that, Josh Norris retained for some futures and a decent middle six defensive guy. I think there's there's a definitely a deal around the league somewhere. That's just something that popped into my mind. Would you would you entertain that kind of deal? For Norris, for sure. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. So it, it really sucks because he's Brady Kachuk's best friend. He was at the time he was the centerpiece of the Eric Carlson trade. People forget that people forget that at the time of the deal, Josh Norris was the centerpiece of the Eric Carlson trade. And all of a sudden, instead of the 22nd overall pick, Ottawa ended up with Tim Stutzel, (laughs) not going to complain at all. He's Tim Stutzel has changed the franchise, but I don't know. Do you look at trading Josh Norris? It's going to be tough to do. The locker room is going to hate it, but it's a business. I mean, I could see him as part of a trade package. You know, if you wanted to package him and he might help you sell Corpus Allo. And, you know, if you put him in some kind of package and moved him out, hopefully you'd get another goaltender back. But uh, I don't see, know, you mentioned- Corpus Allo is another guy who's going to be hard to move, right? So now you got to retain part of his salary. you got to retain part of <laughs> Norris. Maybe the two of them together is would be marketable. I'm not sold on wanting to move Corpus Allo yet. Obviously mm. he's had a terrible start to the season, first half of the season. Um, but I do absolutely see a nine, 10 goaltender in, in the pipes for Ottawa. Once they get the defensive systems figured out, which kind of leads us into our next topic that we can talk about um, is Jacques Martin's system finally paying off in Ottawa. It's taken, I don't know. I don't know how many games it's been about 15, 16 or so, 17 maybe. Well, um, seven, you conclude tonight. Yeah, 17. So things did not start off well. Usually when you get a coaching change, it's, oh, all of a sudden everything's, the world is bliss and here we go. We're on a, we're a wagon now. Everybody goes on a streak. Look at Edmonton. Um, but 
That didn't happen with Ottawa. They have way too much instilled in their brains from DJ Smith. Um, it was always going to take time. Um, Paul, you and I had a little bit of a conversation. You asked me for my thoughts on uh, grading Jacques Martin on his first 10 games. And I said, absolutely worth grading him on his first 10 games. But I think it's unrealistic to see the results so far because they know nothing other than DJ Smith. None of these guys on this team, other than Vlad Tarasenko and Claude Giroux and uh, Jacob Chikrin, none of them know anything other than DJ Smith, right? Like everybody just knows his systems. You got to give some time to learn the new ways. And one of the first things that Jacques Martin did was the neutral zone um, coverage and whether it's forecheck or defense, more coverage, plugging up the neutral zone more. Um, and and it's, in my opinion, it's starting to pay off. And now I don't think that they're going to go without a regulation loss for the rest of the year. But I think these last four games are very telling of the system that Jacques Martin is bringing and that these players are really understanding the the philosophy that Martin brings behind the bench and how to win hockey games even when it's not a lost cause anymore. Because we see this team play really well in um, March and April, right? Like they've been great for the last two years at the end of the year, but they don't know how to win hockey games when, when they mean something. So Paul, what do you think? Is, is Martin starting to finally make an impact or is this just a very small four game sample size that anybody can go on a nice little run? So, okay. Um, I'm prepared to admit that it, it looks like um, some of what Martin Martin is trying to impart, they're, they're starting to grasp, you know, yep. with uh, better structure, more focus on the detail. But to your point, it's a small sample size. Um, I don't trust this crew. I mean, I've how many times have we seen this, right? Uh, they will good when it doesn't count you'll see a flash of brilliance and you'll say oh my goodness they've turned the corner not they come out and yeah. and what i mean they're out by november um so i don't trust them uh the numbers say they're a bad hockey club that's that's the reality and yeah. and you can try to rationalize that away and say well they're misunderstood and they've had bad luck yada 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 they're just a bad hockey club. And, you know, time and time again, season after season, we've seen uh, flashes of brilliance and then they slip back to what they are. So I'm not, you know, give me give me five or six more games and then I'd be prepared to say, okay, it's starting to stick. But, um, you know, they could slip back into their old identity in no time. Hey, Boston's coming to town. Uh, when's that? Um, Thursday night? That'll be a test. We'll see yeah, how they big bad Bruins. And I, I just want to clarify that when you say give me another five, six, seven games, they don't have to win all those. They just have to keep showing this progress and showing that they are a good team. So like they don't they don't need to finish with a thirty and seven record on the season. If if they want to sniff the playoffs, they do. But right. we're not looking for that. We're looking for Jacques Martin or just not DJ Smith hockey. Because that just didn't win you games. But, you know, it, it's still taken them 16, 17 games to, to yeah. show any progress. Um, yeah. Really? I mean, I thought these guys were pros. And then, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's just I don't believe uh, Leopard can change its spot that quickly. Um, 
you know, and I, I think the other thing too is, is there's been so much emphasis on the coaching. Well, it's the coach's fault. So fire DJ. And then we're looking at Jacques Martin at the end of the day, <clears throat> this is all on the players. So they've got to find a way, look deep inside, step up and take responsibility. Jacques Martin can't go out there and play for them. So. Yeah, no, absolutely. Dayton, what do you, what do you think of kind of the 17 game trial run that Jacques Martin is on? Um, yeah, I feel like that's kind of a, um, that's a tricky question, right? Yeah. Because there was that 10 game kind of introduction to Jacques Martin and it was not great. And you saw maybe the most disheartened looking senators that you've seen since the rebuild started. Yeah. Like this, that group was broken. They didn't want to be there anymore. Like it was clear in the way that they played. They just kind of floated around and like the goals that they allowed were just bad. And then all of a sudden everyone's getting down on themselves. Now in this last little stretch, you've got, I think you've got a little bit of buy-in on the coach's strategy. You're seeing a bit more of a defensively responsible game. That's Martin's tell. He's always been that kind of coach. Um, And his teams are, defensively sound but you also have Shane Pinto coming back right at this time he's back with the players now he's back on the ice now he's back in a game that's really invigorating finally we get this kid back who a lot of the players probably think he didn't deserve this punishment yeah a lot of fans probably think that too right yeah um and you've also you know you win throw a little win in there Oh, that feels good. Okay, let's string another one in. You're getting results because I think you're getting a lot of things happen at the exact same time. Yeah. Um, the, the, the appeal of Pinto being back will wear off because he'll yes. then just be part of the team. Um, a couple of losses, especially tough losses, will start to wear on them. Yeah. And that's when... We're going to see, like Paul said, you know, give give us a few more games here. Then we'll see if this group is actually showing signs of improvement. Or is this just kind of a, a coincidental bump? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I look at the standings right now, and Ottawa is, I believe, after 43 games, 37 points, which is terrible. Um, they do have a lot of games in hand. That doesn't matter anymore. They're not climbing back into the wild card race. I think so to hit the 95 point mark, they're going to have to go 30 and nine over the next, over the next 39 games. That's not going to happen. No. There is a little bit of hope to hang on to that. That's not entirely unrealistic, but with this team, it is. Um, but if they really start getting going. There's a lot of positives to look for. They can get back in the hunt by the end of the season. They won't make the playoffs, but they can get, in the conversation like they have done the last couple of years. And hopefully for once it carries some momentum into next year. The only issue was with that is that Jacques Martin is not going to be the head coach next year. He is an interim coach. He is in a special advisory role. Um, and he's kind of like the coach's coach is how we described it when he was first hired. The only issue I have is that they're learning Jacques Martin system, which works. We, we know from 20, 20 years ago that he knows how to coach and he knows how to coach a winning team 20 years ago and now is different, but we know that he has the pedigree. He's not just DJ Smith coming out of the OHL. Um, but 
I don't know. They're they're going to learn some good strategies, but I hope they don't take a step back when they have a new coach in October. The, that's the only concern that I really have. Well, I think one thing that we can take away from this is they're starting to learn how to be coached. That's a really good point. That I, I really like the way you put that. Yeah, like this is the first time that I think all of them except those acquired by trade or free agency have had yeah. a different coach in Ottawa, like yeah. you mentioned, right? Um, those guys really in the NHL only knew one system, yeah. which would have probably been a similar system in Belleville back when they started there too. Yeah. I don't know. I I'm just assuming in that one. So they haven't really had to be coached lately. They've just been playing hockey Business and it's been fun you. and it's been great. Hey, we're going to do great things. And then it didn't work out. And DJ wasn't the kind of person to break them down about it and look at what is happening and what's going wrong. He was a great people person. People loved him. He's an honest, he's a, a fantastic person to have on your team. But for a team that is consistently losing, he was not going to get that team over the hump. Yeah. So now you get Martin in there, you get Alfredson in there, you get a group who are showing these kids what it takes to win at the NHL level and what it takes to learn at the NHL level. They're pros. They know how to play hockey. All of them would skate the pants off all of us. Maybe not Paul being, you know, on your journey to make the NHL, but beer league superstar. <laughs> Definitely would skate the pants off me. Um, but when you're trying to compete against guys who are way better than them, right? Yeah. You need to have these adapt adaptable strategies and to be able to look at things very critically. And they haven't had to do that yet. Uh, I would argue. And now they are learning that this is what it takes. So I think when the next coach comes in, they're going to be way more prepared. Yeah, that that's a really good point. And I completely agree. Well, well so he'll be, so what do you think? The next coach will be a Jacques Martin clone, kind of a more of a defensive oriented coach. And I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I don't know what that looks like. I don't know who's going to be available in the summer. I, like, I don't know, but oh, I hope that... I'm on board for it. Not Patrick Waugh. Patrick Waugh's gone. Oh, darn. We missed him. <laughs> I'm, I'm not upset by that. I, I don't know if I really expressed that here on the show, but I'm not really upset that Ottawa didn't land Patrick Waugh. Not somebody I would have targeted. I don't think I would have minded it, but. Not somebody I would have targeted. No. No, hey, Claude Julien, defensively oriented coach. He's won a cup, taking him to the Stanley Cup twice. And uh, he's all about defense. So, yeah, he may mesh, mesh, you know, a coach like that. It may be an easy transition for them to uh, to make from Martin to a guy like uh, Julien. But right. you know, I'm assuming the management has got some sort of master plan in here, some some idea of what kind of team they want to build. Well, I mean, yeah, you have the right names. Mm. I don't know if they can do it together. And I don't know. We're finally seeing if they are capable of doing it together under a new coach. Right. And so this is going to be a true test the rest of the year to see what do we have? What 
what is this team capable of and what do we need to fix? What do we need to change? Who do we need to get rid of? And who do you need to acquire? And who do you, you know? need to acquire? Absolutely. Right. So, you know, you've got, a, for the first time, I think since the start of the season, you've got a, uh, everybody's healthy. Everybody's in the lineup. This is the, the way the team's supposed to look now, you know, uh, drive them hard, push them, uh, experiment and see what it is you've got. Yeah. Does it measure up to what you thought you had? And if it doesn't, then what do you need? And that's, that's the roadmap for, uh, for the off season. Um, I've got one question for you. So this is the fourth season that Shane Pinto has played a hockey game in. And Josh Norris, I'm just pulling it up here to make sure I got this right. Uh, Josh Norris has played in five seasons. Okay. So now both of them only played two or three games at the end of their NCAA season, but parts of four and five seasons. How many games do you think that they've played in the lineup together? How many times has a coach been able to send out Josh Norris and Shane Pinto? Any wild guess over the last four seasons that they've both been NHL players? 30. 29. Ooh. I, Ooh. I believe this was 29. Tonight might have been 30, actually. I, I think it was 29, though. That is foolish. Four seasons, and they've played 29 games together. That's... And they've done really well in that in that span. I don't know the record, but it's it's very good. Um, and that's something that even DJ Smith said preseason. He has not been able to. And I'd love to know the number of Stutzel, Norris, and Pinto because I'm sure that there were some games that Stutzel missed some time, or I don't know. But thirty games with just your your second and third line center in the lineup, you got to give some credit to the coach or some take some heat off the coach that you've never really had these guys to put out together, but you've always had to been able to figure out how to make do without. Um, Cause it's not like it was just here and there and a couple bad games without it. It was full seasons that these guys are missing. So yeah, I don't know. That's, that's pretty crazy to me that after four seasons, they've only played 30 games, games together. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk trades uh, with the trade deadline coming up, so stay tuned for that. All right, so we're about 42 days from the trade deadline, I believe. There's been a lot of conversations about Jacob Chikrin, who should the senator sell. We talked about Josh Norris today. I don't know what the trade deadline is going to look like. Dayton, you had some thoughts on it that you released on thehockeywriters.com. Um I don't. I have no idea what it's going to look like. So we've heard a lot of rumors over the past couple of weeks that Jacob Chikrin maybe doesn't like the locker room, doesn't want to stick around long term. He squashed all those rumors and spit in everybody's face today and said, "I don't know where this is coming from. I like it here. Um, this is this is my city. I don't have the exact quotes in front of me, but he he squashed every single rumor and said it, it kind of insulted the sources or the people that were reporting this and said these people say that they have sources, but they don't like." I have no idea where this is coming from. It's not coming from me. So where else would it be coming from? So I don't know what's going on with Jacob Chikrin, but coming from patient zero, he's the one saying there's no truth to these rumors. I really like that. I want him to stick around long-term. He's been fantastic in Ottawa. What do you expect to see this trade deadline? Should they be buyers, sellers, stay where they are? Um, Dayton, I'll let you start with this because you already kind of have some 
have some thoughts brewed up. Yeah, so I'm of the opinion that they should probably be buyers with the caveat that they can't be buyers. <laughs> if Stick with me for a second. Um, <laughs> so they don't have any cap space. You need cap space to be a buyer, right? Because you're selling or you're, you're bringing in veterans and you're selling picks and prospects. And so you're just adding that up, right? Yeah. The senators can't do that. So they have to sell some of their guys for better guys or at least different guys. Yeah. That will consist of likely one of four or five players that they have. Dominic Kubelik is probably gone. Probably not for a lot. Like I've seen some sources or rumors anyways that some trades have been put out there and nobody's biting. Yeah. Which kind of makes sense. He's been bad. Yeah. And Bruce Garriok said that Kub Dominic Kubelik will be gone at the trade deadline. Yeah. I don't know if he just that's the way he wrote it, but he did write specifically that Kubelik will be gone at the trade deadline. Yeah, and it might be for the magical return of future considerations. Yeah. Which can be whatever you want it to be. Um, Tarasenko looks like he'll be gone. I don't think he should be. I think he's been great in the top six, and he brings that scoring punch and that veteran presence that they're looking for. But if he's not going to sign long-term, then he's got to go. You yeah. need this team to stick together and build something towards anything right yeah. that brings me to chikrin who is a year away from his uh deal expiring and he's gonna need a raise probably around the same price as what norris and shabbat are getting he's probably gonna be an eight million dollar defender at the very least if he stays healthy healthy for his first yeah. full season ever and puts up 50 points he's he's signed the check already yeah um that means the senators will have three eight million dollar left-handed defensemen that's not good not good so obviously you're not getting rid of sanderson you just signed him long term and already he's clearly the best defenseman it's not even a contest He's the most consistent offensively and defensively. Yep. He's staying. So that means it has to be either Shabbat or Chikrin. One of them has to go. Yep. Shabbat has the better overall stats this season, even though he's missed more time. Uh, you're getting a little preview of some articles or article coming out later um, that I wrote. So he has better overall underlying stats. Uh, except on the score sheet, which is where Chikrin leads. Yeah. But Chikrin's been kind of bad defensively. Did you know he has 44 giveaways? That's a I lot. Believe. That's a lot. Do you know how many of those giveaways happened in the defensive zone? And this is before tonight's game. That's, I'm, I really like that you have that stat. I'm going to guess 31. You're close, Paul. Thoughts? 28. Uh, 38. 38. Wow. 38 of his 44 giveaways have been in the defensive zone. Wow. Um, to compare, Shabbat has, I think, 
20 giveaways or 22 um or no no it's like 14 i'm just going off memory here it's 14 yep. giveaways and nine of them have been in the defensive zone so it's still a lot but if you look at the percentages his is like 65 and shabbat's like 88 yeah that's really bad yeah um so to kind of wrap up what the senators should be doing the thing that they should be doing is trying to upgrade and make this core last a longer time which means you have to get rid of some guys who aren't going to be here. That likely includes Tarasenko if he doesn't sign, and that likely includes either Shabbat or Chikrin. You got to move one of them. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think of the two contracts, you know, it's going to default to Chikrin that you're going to move because Shabbat's contract is just too hard to move, right? Eight, what's he got? Six years left and eight million bucks a pop. Uh, it's just far easier to move Chikrin at, so what's he, 4 and 4.6? 4. 4. Yeah. Mm -hmm. However, this is the time you would move Shabbat, because this will be the easiest it'll ever get. Well, and he has a no-trade clause kicking in July 1st. Exactly. Uh, 10-team no-trade list is, I think, yes. what I saw. Yes. And also, his price tag goes up to 10 million. His salary cap stays at 8, but he is owed 10. So but right how, now how is the that, easiest he'll ever be traded. But how, how much of his salary are you going to have to eat? Because now, you know, we're based on a, whose salary we're, we're going to eat part of Norris for how long? 12 years? Yeah. yeah. That's a buyout, yeah. Buyout, yeah. Retained for sex. That's, yeah. Yeah. And Shabbat, I mean, good God. There'll be a revolution here in the streets of Ottawa. There, there was fury here about all the... Uh, all the uh, dead cap space. Ottawa is, uh, is not bad now, but what a mess. Um, well, I, I have a question for you. What's what's going to be a harder move to make? Moving, I don't know how old he was at the time, but mid-30s, Ryan McDonough at $6.75 or Thomas Shabbat, who is 25, making $8 million. That's pretty easy. It's going to be easier to move Thomas Shabbat Tampa Bay had no problem. And I like the comparison between Ottawa and Tampa Bay right now. Um, well, no, I don't. But um, between the left side of the defense, because they had Hedman, McDonough, Sergachev, kind of like how Ottawa has the three-headed monster on the left side. Um, and it was time to sign Sergachev. And so they moved out McDonough. They got Philippe Meyer and Grant, I don't know. No, nobody that's going to make a big impact on the Tampa roster. Um, so they got Philippe Meyer, who was a bit of a cap dump, but also maybe a little bit of potential. He decent age, decent pedigree, but paid too much for what he did. Um, I think you can get a better return for Shabbat than that. I think it's definitely a movable contract. I'm, I don't know how much you're going to get, but it's certainly a movable contract. I mean, Ivan Provorov got a first round pick this offseason, this past offseason. Thomas Shabbat is significantly better than Ivan Provorov. But what's Provorov's contract? Six, six point something. You add a, a million and a half on that, and that, that just makes it so much harder, right? Yeah. Shabbat at want? six and a half? That's great. Yeah. Shabbat at eight? I don't know. What Ooh. do you want? 4.75, sorry. Ooh, 
Yeah, never mind. <laughs> That's why I got it first, then. Yeah. Sorry, Paul, what were you saying? Well, what do you want for Shabbat? That's that's the key question in my mind is, okay, if, if I ran the sentence, who is it I need? And if he's on the block, then what do I, what do, what am, what am I going to target for him? See, I think the question is, I think the answer is very easy. You want a right shot defense. Chris Tanev and cap space. That I mean, that's, yeah, I don't know. Chris Tanev with a short-term extension and cap space. Mackenzie Weger. Mackenzie uh, Weger. Yeah. And uh, yeah, like this is all going back to our conversation we had last week. Um, we spent a lot of time on Shabbat and Chikrin. Um, So go listen to that if you want to hear more of our thoughts. But yeah, like Shabbat for Weger, you, you got to add if you're Ottawa, but that kind of deal. Like there's certainly a, a framework there. And like we said last week, especially if Calgary's losing Hannafin. I don't know if you have to add too much though. Maybe like a second round pick because Weger's older and like, he's having a great season, but the flames are bad and they're not going to make the playoffs and they should rebuild. Yeah. So why not go for a 26 year old defenseman instead of a, what is it? Weger 30, 32, 30 maybe he's definitely up there in that area i'm sure of it yeah, um, he's 30. 30 okay so centers are getting older flames are getting younger yeah. um worse contract but not a ton worse i think yeah. it's only a million and a half and or about difference yeah million and a quarter yeah you throw in a second round pick for or even a third round pick I think that balances pretty nicely. Yeah. I'd like, to, I'd like to have somebody from Calgary's perspective weigh in on this. So um, if you like the Calgary flames, please leave a comment and just let us know, like, what do you think that Ottawa would have to add? Cause I mean, undisputable Ottawa would have to add something. It's certainly not going to be one for one or Calgary adding something. Um, but how much would Ottawa have to add? Would it have to be a third round pick, second round pick, first round pick? I, I don't know. I, I have no idea how Calgary values Uyghur or Shabbat right now. But in this uh, upcoming trade season, whether it's off season or the trade deadline, uh, if you were quarterbacking Ottawa strategy, where, where would goaltending figure? You just go with what you have and yeah. recognize over time, you're going to have to fix it or. I think so. I I think you let the team settle into like, like back to our conversation about Martin and comfortable hockey, settle into that, then reevaluate your goaltenders. They have not been good on their own. doesn't matter what defense is in front of them. They've not been good. Give them some good defense, give them a better chance and then reevaluate is my, my stand on that. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. You're not going to be a cup contender for a few years anyway. So yeah, you can move with your goaltender. Yeah. Oh, Hey, speaking of Calgary, Markstrom's on the market. No, thanks. <laughs> I just thought I'd throw that out there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, he would be the best goalie in Ottawa, but he's just so inconsistent. And not that Ottawa doesn't have inconsistency issues, but why trade for a guy that is bringing you the same issues is my thought. At his best, he's the best goalie that Ottawa would have. At his worst, which is just as often as his best, I don't know. I I want somebody that's good and always good. <laughs> no, I, I, I 
I don't think it's an issue right now for the next couple of years. It is what it is. And just focus on building your team. And then when you get to a point where you think you can contend, that's the time to make a blockbuster trade and get a goaltender. Yeah. They're hard, they're hard to find these days. You know, yep. that's, that's how Ottawa ended up with Corpus Allo. It was him and, uh, oh, the Pittsburgh goalie, Jerry. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Pittsburgh signed them and, hey, welcome to Corpus Allo. So, yeah. See, I think the conversation around goaltending is a little confused or maybe misguided uh, would be a better way to say that. Because um, if you look at, where some of the best goalies have come out of lately? Um, the easy answer is nowhere. They've kind of emerged out of the cement cracks, right? Yeah. Who would have expected Logan Thompson to be a Stanley Cup winning goalie? Yeah. Or Aiden Hill, who yeah. was okay, I guess, in Arizona, and then yeah. all of a sudden is the solid brick wall of the Vegas Golden Knights? Yeah. Like, goalies aren't it's it's not like we're back in the 2000s where goalies were the defining player on the team if you had a good goalie you were set right like the uh the devils the avalanche uh the Dallas stars you had those top end goalies and they'd save you every time <laughs> even getting into like roberto luongo with the uh with the canucks yeah. he, that's all you needed the Senators need to figure out their forwards and their defense first. Right. After that, plug a goalie in, whatever you got. Sogard would be great. Mandalazi would be great. Um, Marilinen would be great. They don't have to be stars. Yeah. I, and even, like, yeah, looking at some of these goalies that have come out with great seasons, like Vitek Vanacek last season. He's he's brutal this year. Yeah. And that's okay, right? The, Goalies are a lot more unpredictable than they used to be. And I think the senators have to accept that and stop chasing after the netminder that's going to save them. Just go what you got and fix it later, maybe, or just grab somebody that's available and see what they can do. Yeah. Enough. Yeah. I agree. Um, so, yeah, I guess that wraps things up for today. Um, leave your thoughts in the comments on who you think. Ottawa should target or what they should do with the trade deadline, how you think the coaching has gone so far, um, and just your thoughts on the Senators in general and where they're headed. Um, thanks, everybody, for tuning in, and we appreciate all your support. Um, tune in next week, and see you next time.